0: Good afternoon, everyone. So great to see each and every one of you here today, especially with all these awesome, ugly Christmas sweaters. Some of them are more pretty than others, so uh, I'll take that. But what a great day for all of us to be here. And again, after I'm done sharing today, we're going to have a time of celebration. I'm really looking forward to that. Just uh, uh, one thing to announce here, just so that everybody knows, that over the next few weeks, the next three weeks, uh, we usually have our prayer gatherings on Wednesday night, but because of all of the Christmas activities that people are involved with, family things and stuff, we're going to postpone prayer until the new year, till January the 10th is when we're going to start up again, just so in case you show up on Wednesday and you're wondering what happened, uh, did the rapture occur, did something crazy happen, uh, no, no. Uh, We've just taken a little break here, and we're going to go after it again here in the new year because God has great things in store for us. Can I hear an amen for that? Well, it is hard to believe, but there's only one week until Christmas, or Christmas Eve actually, and I hope that you've got all of your shopping done. It's easy to get caught up in the madness, and kind of to honor that, I want to read a revamping, a retweaking of It Was the Night Before Christmas. This is called It's the Week Before Christmas, and this is at the shopping mall. And it says, was the week before Christmas, and all through the store, each department was dripping with yuletide decor. The music was blaring an out-of-tune carol, and the fake snow was falling on ladies' apparel. I'd flown many miles from the North Pole this day, to check on reports which had caused me dismay. I'd come to this store, but for one special reason, to see for myself what went on this season. I hid in a corner, and in a short while I saw the store president march down the aisle. He shouted in order to turn on the to turn the store tree on, and also the Noel in blinking pink neon. Up high, grandly hanging from twin gold supports, 400 pink angels flew over men's shorts. And a towering over the rear mezzanine, a 90 foot day glow nativity scene. The clock on the wall said two minutes to nine, and the floor walkers all stood proudly in line. I watched while the president smelled all their carnations, then called out one his final command Man your stations! When out on the street there arose such a roar, It rang to the rafters and boomed through the store. It sounded exactly like street repair drilling or maybe another big mafia killing. I looked to the doors and there banging the glass was a clamoring, shrieking historical mass. And I felt from the tone of each scream and each curse that the spirit of Christmas had changed for the worse. The clock, it struck nine, and the door flew wide open, and that great human avalanche thundered inside. More fearsome than Sherman attacking Atlanta came parents and kitties with just one goal. Santa! In front stormed the mothers, all brandishing handbags, as heavily as deadly twilight. 20-pound sandbags. With gusto, they swung them, the better to smash ears of innocent floor walkers, buyers, and cashiers. Egged on by their care, their parents, the kids had one aim, to get to the man who was using my name. They mobbed him and mauled him, the better to plead for the presents they sought in their hour of greed. The president watched with the gleam in his eye as he thought of the toys that the parents would buy. Of all the Christmas come-ons, this crowd would attest this, that a visit to Santa was clearly the best. It was all too much for my soul to condone, and I let out a most unprofessional moan. The crowd turned around, and I'll say for their sake, that they knew in an instant I wasn't a fake. I've had it, I told them, with fast buck promoting, with gimmicks and come-ons and businessmen gloating, the garish display of commercialized greed, is so very unchristmas it makes my heart bleed. Well, merry christmas everyone. <laughs> what is your favorite part of christmas? What are things that you enjoy? What are things that you like? Is it the decorations and the music that you look forward to? Maybe your radio station is like the radio station in my wife's car, 24/7 christmas music. Maybe for others, it's office parties and gatherings with with people that you work with. Or maybe it's the food that you look forward to, the special holiday treats, time with friends, maybe with family. You know, there are all sorts of traditions that many of us probably have. I'm sure that if I was to come to your home, that there would be certain things that you probably do every year. Like maybe you open your presents on Christmas Eve or in other families, maybe that's what you do christmas morning it could be that if you're a child maybe one of the traditions that you had in your house was the one present the, Christ, uh, the night before christmas how many do that one that's something that you do for the kids uh, uh, maybe they get their christmas pajamas or stockings or something like that maybe it's going to a traditional candlelight service or maybe it's having a family dinner there are so many things that we do Or we could do. Now, I was thinking in my own mind, what are some of the traditions that I had growing up? Now, the question for me was I couldn't really think of a lot of things that kind of happened every year because it was more like this. If we were home, we sometimes would purchase a tree, but not always. And if we did, we would sing worship songs on Christmas Day around the tree. But here was the problem we were not always home together. In fact, we could be at many places. We sometimes went to my dad's, which included a trip to my step-grandmother's house. Or sometimes we were at grandpa's and grandma's on my mom's side of the family. Many times, though, we went to my aunt and my uncle who lived in Seattle, who had this incredibly awesome, massive house and a larger-than-life Christmas tree. Some of the places we went to were more accepting than others, Some places we felt like we were a part of everything, but in others we did not feel like we belonged. Most times we had to pretend to be happy, even if we didn't receive any gifts and had to watch others receive theirs. You know, I—it's the thing that I remember the most about Christmas many times is that just wanting to find that place where I belonged. I know that Christmas can be incredibly difficult for many of us who are here today. Maybe the Christmas season is a reminder of the loss of a loved one, that sometimes you know they're no longer with you. It could be that Christmas is not a place of happy memories. Maybe you had family difficulties or there were fights that happened on Christmas. Maybe you are facing or have faced brokenness in your relationships and you're not feeling all that happy or that cheerful right now. For many, though, it's a reminder just of how lonely we are. And how lonely it can be. So why is it that way? Well, today I want to talk about that. We sing, joy to the world for the Lord has come. Well, why did he come? Why did Jesus, the little baby, come down onto this earth? Why do we celebrate his birth at this time? Well, Jesus is the one who came and has an answer for our loneliness, our hurt, and our pain. Jesus came to bring life and hope to everyone. So today as we continue, all I want for Christmas is blank, we're going to look at this, finding purpose and friendship through genuine family. Now family is very important to God. And this is what it says in Psalms chapter 68, verse 6. It says this, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. But he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. One of the great opportunities that I've had in my life is to be able to travel to many nations, especially in the area of missions. And one of the things that I admire is, or I like to look at, is how things are built. Once you get outside of Canada and the United States, you realize that people build things much differently in other places of the world. If you go to Europe, you see all sorts of awesome structures. If you were to go to uh, uh, the Soviet Union, or to, to Russia, sorry, I'm going back a few years here, you would see that the architecture there is much different than other places in the world. But one of the things I've noticed is that when you go to emerging countries or third world countries, that they build things relatively the same way, and I'm fascinated with how they do it. And one of the things I've observed is that when they're building a building, the way that they build a foundation is that they have a group of men usually that bring a pile of stones, they get some mortar, they mix it up, and they have one chief builder who usually looks at all the different rocks and begins to place them and fit them one at a time as the foundation is built, looking for just the perfect rock for each situation it's something that I've, I, I, I've enjoyed watching. It's incredibly awesome to watch how careful this person is to select the right stone and fit it into the right space. Now in Psalms chapter 68 verse 6, it says that God places the lonely in families. The word for places is a Hebrew word called yashab. Yashab means to set, to seat, or to establish. So what the Bible is actually saying here is that God yeshabs people, especially the lonely, into families. What this means is he hand selects, sets, and establishes them exactly where he wants them to be. Just like each brick in the wall or each stone in a foundation, you and I are carefully crafted and placed exactly where God wants to connect us and where he wants us to be. If we allow God to do his will, he fits us perfectly with the people and community that we belong in. Each one of us is not here by accident, but have been placed here with intention as well as purpose. I was just thinking about one of the most precious gifts that I have received this year, and it is the fact that we have a dog in our family. I know I've been talking about her. I've been raving about her. She's this little three pounds of nothing Uh, but she makes my life very happy. And the thing that I've thought about when I was thinking about my dog was this, that three months ago, we had this dog that was a rescue dog. Unfortunately, her owner, not because of uh, an unwillingness to keep her dog, got very sick, uh, had a terminal illness, and wanted to find a, a home for her dog. And so, We ended up becoming this dog's new home. I told my kids many times that we were the answer to somebody else's prayer. But when it comes to the dog, what she doesn't really realize is she couldn't understand the change that happened, but we became her forever home. That's what our desire is, that she's not going to be ever returned to uh, uh, the shelter again. She's not going to be without a place to sleep or eat that she's now part of our family. She is another member of our family. She's part of us and one of us. And I believe that, that that's God's desire for each of us to understand and to recognize that he has a family for us or a local church for each and every one of us. You see, God is all about family. How do I know this? Well, first of all, one of the great things about God that we see is how relational that he is. That when he calls us to address him, to refer to him, he doesn't say, call me master. He doesn't say, call me the creator of the universe, even though we can give him those titles. He doesn't ask us to talk to him like we're his, the Lord and master. What he asks us to address him as, is a father. That when we pray to him, he says, I want you to address me as father. Why? Because he's a relational God. He also has an eternal son, Jesus, that we are celebrating in this season. We know that there is a relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that they are completely unified and one. We call that the Trinity. I could do a whole message just on that. But he's relational. And as well as that, when we become in relationship with this, he calls us children, his children that he relates to us as his children. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer, listen to this, strangers or foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Why family? Wouldn't it be easier just to let us do life by ourselves? I sometimes have wondered that. I don't know if you've ever wondered that. If it would be like, you know, wouldn't it just be easier to just do our thing and not have to worry about other people? You know, because sometimes it's difficult working with people. Or why not just make it God and us? Just all I need is Jesus. I don't need anybody else. And you know there are people that have actually taken that approach to their life. Wouldn't it just be easier well, today I want to talk about why family is important, why being a part of a church family is so important. First of all, it gives us a place to belong. It gives us a place to belong. I believe that as much as sometimes we want our space, and we want to be alone, and we want to do our own things, that that each one of us needs a place to belong. We long for connection. I remember when I was in grade one, that there were some kids that were in my grade and the grade ahead of me that decided to form a gang. Now, this is before we got to see movies like Straight of Compton or those kinds of crazy things. That stuff wasn't around. Our, our idea of a gang was just like, you're just part of this exclusive fraternity of, of young men. And the way to get into this gang, I know this is kind of crazy, grade one, was you had to smoke a cigarette that was the initiation to be part of the brotherhood well that was a little too much for me but for many for many of these young men that was like they did it why because we long for acceptance don't we we want people to accept us we want people to like us we want to feel like we're part of something more than ourselves we want to be a part of family We need connection with other people. Family is where we discover our whole selves. One of the things I I, I recognize is at weddings and sometimes at funerals and other bigger gatherings when people bring their, that you bring your brothers or your sisters and I get to meet them, that when I get to see the other members of your family, I get to see a little bit more about who you are, what makes you, who you, uh, what makes you like the way that you are, the way that you talk, the way that you laugh at things. It's amazing how when you get to around people that are in family, you get to know the whole person. Am I right? I've been uh, on a kick there for a while of uh, going on Ancestry.com. I don't know if anybody else has done that. Because I want to know more about my roots of my family. You know, it's amazing when I, as I've been, been looking at my history, my historical genealogy, I've gotten all the way back to the 1400s. Pretty crazy stuff. My last name has changed about eight times. Uh, there's some interesting things that I discovered. Some things that are really awesome. I, I, I found out that my family immigrated from Germany to America before the war for independence. They were part of some of the initial settlers that were settling in, in, in America. Now, some of the things that I found that weren't cool is that I got an aunt who was also uh, somebody's mother. That was a, she was an aunt and mother at the same time. Some crazy things happened in our family. You look along enough, you'll find there's always some skeletons in the closet. Can I say an Amen. I found out that my mom's grandfather was most likely from the Czech Republic. We never, my grandmother never got to meet her dad. He died in a mining accident three months before she was born. Nobody in my family got to see who this man was. We all want to know about ourselves. We all want to discover more of ourselves. We all want to feel like we belong we don't want to be outsiders or strangers. I had a friend at work when I first was about 17 or 16 years old. One of my first jobs was working at a gas station. And my friend said, why don't you come to play basketball with my, my church friends? It's, it's going to be an awesome time. But when I showed up, you would have thought I was the biggest stranger that, I, that they'd ever seen. Nobody would even acknowledge I was there. Have you ever been in a place like that where somebody says, hey, I want you to come here, and then when you show up, they're like, uh, who are you? Why Why did you show up? Nobody ever wants to feel that way. Besides running into the middle of the basketball court and stopping the game, um, they just wouldn't even acknowledge my existence. So the next day when I was at work, I asked him, I'm like, dude, what was going on? What was happening there? He's like, oh, you know, uh, my church let me know after I invited you that, it was only for church members to play. I was like, wow. I said, How big is your church? He said, We're really small. I said, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. You know, it's important that we are welcoming to new people, that we're inclusive whenever. Possible, and I want to say that today, that God's design for each and every one of you here is to have a sense of feeling like you belong. And if you're struggling with that, if maybe you're you've been in church or you've been in our church for a while and you're kind of like, I'm not sure how I fit into this, talk to somebody about that. Share it with them. Let us figure out what it is that maybe together we can find more of that connection. I believe that reaching out is a two-way street. And that we, not only are we called to be welcoming to people, but as far as if we want to have relationships that we need to reach out to others. Can I hear an amen for that? God designed us to flourish through community. So the second thing I believe is that church is a place where we become. It's a place where we can grow. Now, I got to be honest, my wife and I are not green thumbs. We probably have killed Over a hundred plants in our marriage lives. I think God called us not to raise plants. We're called to raise kids. But we did have this one poinsettia that we got one Christmas. Now, if you know anything about poinsettias, they can be a little fussy. They're a little finicky. But whatever we did to this plant, it never died. This poinsettia lived for three years in spite of us. It was a modern day miracle. We would actually talk about this plant like, man, God must really love this plant because somehow it's surviving in our household. It just flourished. Why am I talking about flourishing? Well, I believe God's desire is for each and every one of us to flourish, that he has great intentions for all of us to grow. He wants to mold us and to shape us into something unbelievable, but he does this through family. He places us with people because he knows that it's people that are going to help us to grow and to mature. He connects us with the right people or another term would be he plants you where you will grow. I've yet to see a tree or a flower bloom that has not been planted. That if it's not connected, if it isn't in good soil, it doesn't produce any fruit. Psalms chapter 1 Verses 1 to 3 say this, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand with the sinners, or join with the mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. I believe that God's desire is for each and every one of you to prosper and that for your leaves, for your leaves to never wither. So that is why it's important to be planted. Why? Because it's essential for us to grow. I've also learned this that being connected, being committed is really what we're talking about. Is that commitment is what keeps us set in a place because I know myself, if if I'm not committed or connected to things, I I tend to not take it very seriously. In fact, when the going gets tough, it's easy for me just to leave or run away or go do something else. Things that I'm not connected to, I, I tend not to value as much. And because of that, it doesn't allow for me to grow You see, I think sometimes when we walk with people, the reason why commitment is so important, the reason why being planted is so important is because God knows this. The more that we get to know each other, the more that we get to see things in each other's lives, we're going to find things that we don't like. We're going to see things that aren't always the greatest. I am so thankful for my wife, Jan, who I've been in relationship with for over 25 years. Now, i got to be honest with you. There have been some moments where I wasn't sure I wanted to stay in relationship for another year, for another day. Things haven't always been easy. Why? Because we don't always see eye to eye. Sometimes we actually hurt each other's feelings or we we say things, but you know what keeps us together? It's the fact that we're connected, that we're committed, that we're planted together. And because of that, our love our honor, our respect, our appreciation for one another has only grown deeper. It's only grown stronger. You see, that's the fruit of being planted or being connected. You see, being planted allows us to produce fruit. I was reading about wine grapes. Not that I'm really into wine a whole lot. But what I learned is that most wine grapes are severely pruned in the wintertime. Probably not a really pleasant process for the plant, if you were to ask it. In fact, they prune the grapevine until it's it's only like a stump. But the payoff is this, that those plants that are pruned, even the harshest, produce some of the finest, most aromatic, expensive wine fruit that's known to man. The payoff is that it produces fruit. You see, you need to ask yourself, am I producing fruit in my life? Am I growing in my faith? Am I, am I move, maturing in my relationships with other people? And if you're not, you might want to ask yourself today, am I really planted? Are you actively involved in real relationships with people? Are you reaching out to others? Or are you waiting for people to reach out to you? I believe that everybody has responsibility when it comes to this. Now the last thing I want to talk about is when it comes to why church families is so important is it's also a place that we learn to bless. One of the joys related to Christmas I've learned as I've grown older is this. When I was a kid, all I looked forward to were the presents. What was I going to get this year for Christmas? I know I had my hopes and dreams. I shared with the church a few weeks ago. I used to circle things in the Sears catalog and hoping that my parents, my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, my friends would see those circles and catch a hint as to this is what I felt like would make me happy for Christmas. But what I learned as I got older is this, that one of the greatest joys is actually buying presents or doing things for other people. In fact, I love when you find that perfect gift that somebody maybe mentioned to you six months ago, and they forgot all about it, they forgot that maybe you, real, you that you heard them and you, you, you give that to them, and the joy and the satisfaction that it brings me is so incredible. You see, we are placed in a family so that we can be a blessing to other people. It requires though involvement, or what I would call an incredibly unpopular word today. It's called responsibility. That we are responsible for making sure that we are a a productive, contributing member of the family. You see, we get care from others, and we receive care from others. In healthy families, we all have stuff that we're called to do. I told you about my dog. We need people in our family to walk the dog. It's a responsibility. We need people that take out the trash. We need people that pick up the laundry. We need people to do different tasks. Why? So that we can have a healthy, cohesive family. Now, in a healthy church family, we have stuff to do as well. We're called to serve one another. How about ushering and door greeting and cafe and security and all those things? All of those contribute so that as people come to gather together, they have a great experience where they can encounter Jesus. That's why we do it. We need people that lead small groups and help organize small groups. We need volunteers for C2 and our nursery and and for uh, uh, youth uh, areas. We need people that would even drive people to church. I want to challenge you to ask God right now, are, are you blessing people the way that God maybe has called you to? Are you taking your responsibility? Because I know that when you do it and that when you impact people's life, God will bless you. In a healthy church family, we make time for relationships. Man, that is getting more difficult in this day and age. Our job schedules, our work schedules are crazy. Who here has a crazy work schedule? You, you find that it's hard to even find 10 minutes, five minutes to yourself. I see it, I know it. But we need to make time for relationships. We need to give part of our resources and ties and offerings. Why? Because we're here to help contribute to the family. God's called us to be a family. We are f- family The importance of family is it allows us to belong. It allows us to become and gives us opportunity to bless. Now, God blesses us and encourages us. You see, in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17, we see how God has called us into family. And especially today, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know that the greatest part of this Christmas season is that this innocent baby came from heaven down to earth, lived a sinless life, took on the sins of the world so that you and I could have relationship with God, that our sins could be forgiven and that we could walk in relationship. You see, here's what Romans 8.14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So, you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father, for His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together we are with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. You see, the Father's heart today is that we would understand the goodness of God, that he loves us, that he has placed us in family, and he wants to draw us into family. Maybe you're here today, and you've come to this place, and you realize that you don't have that connection with Jesus You don't feel like you belong anywhere. Well, I'm here to tell you that that spirit of adoption, just like we took a little scrawny little dog into our home and gave her a new family, God is in the process of bringing people into his family. That's the reason that Jesus came to earth.